Welcome to the AWS Rethink Podcast, here to help you rethink your strategy in the cloud. I'm your host, Nolan Chen. And I'm your host, Malini Chatterjee. Today, our guest is Tim Henderson, our go-to-market specialist for Graviton. Before we learn more about what Graviton is, let's learn a bit about Tim. Hey, Tim, can you introduce yourself? Hey, yes, thank you. Um, once again, I'm Tim Henderson, and I lead our go-to-market activities for EC2 Graviton. I've got a 20-plus year background in both product development and go-to-market for bo- in both big companies as well as startups. I've been at AWS for a little over four years now, and I essentially help customers leverage our technology to achieve their strategic objectives. So I'm based in Southern California and uh, looking forward to the conversation today. Welcome, Tim. So let's get started. First things first, what is Graviton? Can you shed some light on that, Tim? Yeah, so Graviton are custom processors designed by AWS to deliver the best price for performance metrics for cloud workloads. Now, some customers um, or people have asked me, well, why is Amazon in the business of creating processors? And I always like to share with them that we've actually got a long history of developing uh, hardware and including custom silicon for a variety of our products. And the, the example that I use is our Nitro system. Now, Nitro is the system that runs our cloud infrastructure, all of our compute. And it's a modular combination of hardware and software um, that allows us to offload functionality away from sort of a traditional hypervisor um, and free up CPU uh, cycles and a a variety of other metrics. Um, The key components are a variety of chips, like a security chip and networking chip. And those are all built on our our custom silicon that we've designed, as well as our hypervisor, which is built from scratch. It's super lightweight. um, And it's, again, a way for our customers to operate that infrastructure more efficiently and get better use out of the infrastructure that's there. So Graviton, as the server uh, uh, chip architecture uh, within the server, is just really a natural extension of the work that we've been doing for, you know, well over a decade. And in fact, we're on the third generation of Graviton processors. They're built using the ARM 64 core specification. And once again, we developed these and designed these specifically for cloud native workloads based upon what we hear from our customers and of course our experience in, in running in the cloud. And uh, you know, Amazon's got a pretty successful business running in the cloud, but. But really, the, the main focus was, you know, by controlling, uh, by, by delivering this and creating this and optimizing it for our infrastructure, we could react much more quickly to what our customers need and ask from us. We're not reliant upon uh, sort of a third-party roadmap, if you will, uh, mm-hmm. to react to our clients' needs. Now, for your customers that are familiar with the EC2 families, you'll see Graviton options in sort of the more familiar um, uh, family instance types that we have like C's, M's, and R's. And they're really easily indicated by the lowercase letter G following the um, 
the instance generation type. So if you're if you're the folks listening to this are 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 comfortable with our EC2 naming convention, uh, just look for that lowercase g, and you'll be using a graviton instance. Okay, so you're talking about when I go onto your web, the AWS website, look at all the instance types. Are you saying yep. look for that little letter G at the end? That means uh, it's Graviton? Immediately following the, the generation. So the way it works on, on, on AWS is the first letter is the instance family. Like M stands for general compute. Uh, C is compute intensive. And that really has to do with sort of the memory, the CPU ratios. Um, following that initial uh, letter is a generation. And that'll be, you know, simply four, five, six, seven. Um, and that's the, the most recent generation. Immediately following the generation um, on our, our latter generations, you'll see either a G, uh, an I, or an A. And that, that is really indicating to our customers what the underlying processor uh, architecture is uh, based upon Intel or AMD. Okay. Thanks, Tim. You, you've already covered, I mean, presented a lot of great info on Graviton, but one thing that stood out for me is that you say Graviton delivers better performance for the price. Uh, yeah. I'm not, obviously not a chip chip designer or chip engineer, but I'm curious exactly how Graviton does that without getting too technical. Can you maybe describe some techniques or see some secret sauce that Graviton uses to give you that better performance for less cost? Yeah, absolutely. And actually, it's worth maybe taking a half step back and just answering the question, why do customers uh, migrate current workloads or land new workloads on the AWS platform um, using Graviton as the underlying uh, processor that's driving their instances? And it's price for performance. So the first thing I'll say is um, on a like-for-like -like basis, um, we the, the Graviton processors are, are up to 20% less expensive than some of the x86-based alternatives. So customers that can leverage Graviton for their workloads immediately are going to see a 20% savings based upon uh, just comparing you know, to the other instance types. Um, also worth noting is that the Graviton instances use 60% or uh, 60% more energy efficient. So why is that important? Well, a lot of customers are really interested in driving sustainability goals. And so with 60% uh, more energy efficient, they're using less uh, uh, electricity to, to drive their servers and they, we can measure that and they can lower their carbon footprint. But I think what you were really asking me is around the performance. And so um, you get the 20% uh, less on a like-for-like -like basis uh, from an instance pricing perspective. But as I mentioned before, these, these chips are custom designed by us. Um, and when you design things uh, by yourself, you can make some design choices to make sure that you're, you're maximizing uh, the throughput and the output that you want. So in our case, we chose not to do a technique called hyper-threading or simultaneous multi-threading. And the net of that, you know, sort of given the, um, that design choice plus the the nature of the architecture of the ARM64 core spec is that every vCPU is a physical core. And what that really means for your customers is they get to use more of the compute execution resources for their workload. So what that means is as they start to 
scale and need to scale um, instances or additional compute to drive their workload, um, they can run on the Graviton instance longer, meaning um, they need smaller fleets or they could potentially be using smaller sized instances um, or realistically just getting the work done faster. Um, so during, you know, it gets the same amount of work done using less uh, resources. So that's where we get to a 40% better price for performance because you're taking the less cost, you're getting the efficiency of the performance improvement in either a smaller fleet or a smaller size and really landing at, uh, you know, tremendous performance gains. And that's, you know, I would say the primary driver for the vast majority of customers that are exploring moving workloads uh, over to Graviton. Okay. So AWS is able to make certain design choices to get that better performance. But with these design choices, are there particular types of workloads that can best take advantage of Graviton? Yeah, great question. And there are. Um, the way we like to think about it is we'll really start with Linux. Um, uh, typically, most Linux-based, you know, Linux as an OS uh, and applications that are driven by Linux is a really good place to start. Um, we also have where I spend a lot of time talking to customers is in uh, big data workloads. So we're talking things like Spark and Hadoop. Um, we see a lot of folks using EC2 Graviton with open source uh, databases in particular, MySQL, Postgres, Cassandra. Um, but typically, you know, so Linux open source is really the, the foundational elements there. And we see folks using that in all different manner. So web servers, gaming servers, uh, containerized applications, uh, in-memory caches are actually another really good uh, 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 workload to, to run on, on EC2 Graviton. Now, for some of your customers, um, depending on their development uh, team and, and bandwidth, a great place to actually start is with a lot of the AWS managed services. So a lot of our managed services, and I'm talking about things like um, uh, RDS or OpenSearch or ElastiCache, uh, those have Graviton options. And so uh, typically there's less involved to migrate those uh, managed service uh, workloads over to a Graviton um, option. And customers can, with very little development or engineering effort, see uh, a nice return on investment very quickly. Okay, so I heard Linux and Linux workloads, and you listed some examples like big data, <clears throat> open source workloads. Are there any workloads that would not be ideal for Graviton? There are, yeah. Um, I think the most notable workload that isn't supported today are, are, is Windows. Um, uh, of course. So uh, I, perhaps at some point in the future, and we uh, we will be very excited when that day comes. Windows workloads will be supported, um, but that's the first, you know, probably most notable workload that we would highlight that that's not going to work on a Graviton instance today. Uh, a number of commercial databases also do not work on um, ARM64, not just Graviton, ARM64-based instances. 
So if you're running a commercial database, it would be worth exploring whether or not that particular um, version is supported on ARM64 and you can get all the benefits of it, but um, you know, Oracle and things of that nature aren't, um, aren't supported today. Thanks, Tim, for explaining what are the kind of workloads that would be ideal for Graviton and what are the kind of workloads which are not ideal for Graviton. With that being said, I did hear you mention that some of the easy ones are to begin with the AWS managed services, but many of the customers are already running the workloads on EC2 different kinds of instances. Now for them to start moving into Graviton or see the benefit of Graviton, does the engineering teams or the developers, they need to rewrite the code or make some modifications in the app? What do they need to do to get started and take advantage of Graviton? Yeah, great question. So um, let me first state that, you know, most developers are not writing code at the processor instruction set level. So um, for, for the vast majority of the developers, it's, this is sort of a non-issue. Um, non what they really need to do is evaluate their code um, and to see sort of in their entire pipeline, are there dependencies that may or may not support ARM64? But from a developer perspective, um, we sort of have a rating scale of uh, easy to more difficult. And so for an example, applications built using uh, interpreted languages like Java, PHP, or Node.js, those will run pretty, pretty straightforward, pretty simply with only minor modifications. If you're using a compiled language, C, C++, Go, you'll, you'll need to recompile for ARM64, but you also need to sort of check under the hood for various libraries um, and make sure that those, uh, there's you know, underlying dependencies to make sure that those are um, supportive of ARM64 as well. Um, and you know, really, it, that the the bigger challenge is is really going through all the touch points in your pipeline and making sure that those are um, all supported along the way. Um, and one of the things that we like to highlight is that a lot of folks are running um, sort of containerized applications, and um, what we really suggest for a lot of those folks is running mixed architecture. So just using the container orchestration to leverage, you know, pull images of that support ARM64 and thus Graviton, as well as x86. Um, and it's really kind of a smart way to, to you know, run uh, with the most, you know, sort of cost efficient and cost optimized um, set of underlying instances out there. So um, the, it's, it's more about, um, Less at the app, there is there is potentially um, work for developers to do at the application level, but it's primarily work to be done sort of at the infrastructure as code level, um, and making sure that that underlying infrastructure is um, available to run on on ARM sixty four and EC two Graviton. Got it. 
yeah thanks for explaining that on you know from the developer standpoint how to make that seamless and what are those architecture best practices so that you know they can be built and can run automatically on arm 64 and get advantage of the graviton with that being said uh, can you talk about the software ecosystem which supports graviton Yeah, um our ecosystem is really quite robust and growing. Um but let me let me break it down into sort of a couple different buckets. Um I'd say the first place I'd want to start is with our on um, sort of the operating system level. And again, we're talking about you know sort of Linux uh based uh OS support if you will. And so you have Amazon Linux 2, we've got Red Hat Enterprise Linux uh 8.2 and above SUSE and Ubuntu um there's a number of other community type um uh OSs out there that are based on Linux that are supported as well um and then of course we sort of I talked a little bit about the containers ecosystem but containers are really well supported everything from kubernetes and and docker uh sort of on the orchestration level as well as of course the the amazon uh services like ecs and eks image registries again docker ecr jfrog um even container optimized distros like bottle rocket or flockcar but what really is really interesting um is uh well so aws is also integrated graviton in a lot of the tools and uh services that we provide and talking you know everything from uh you know batch and and in EMR but even like Amazon Coretto OpenJDK um and things of that nature just about every tool that you would want to leverage is from from Amazon supports the graviton approach but the third party ecosystem is growing tremendously as well uh we've got lots of support in sort of the configuration and monitoring space as well as the security space uh build tests you know ci cd type applications and really what i try to do uh at this point is because i can't even keep up with it is i like to point people to our github site which is you know uh getting started with graviton on github um i think we can post the link out a little bit later hopefully um but you can just search on github for that uh there's a a a pretty complete list out there across the continuum so depending on what the customer is leveraging um whether it's an independent uh software vendor or perhaps some open source software um we've got uh some information as to whether or not um it's supported on graviton and potentially which version they need to be on um and then another thing i would just say is an ask for the community that um we really think that arm 64 and graviton is the wave of the future for cloud computing so if there is a a key vendor out there isv or open source community that's not supported let us know we've got a team of folks here that have spent the last couple of years building out um all these integrations and helping not necessarily integrations but you know helping uh isvs and open source communities um begin to support arm 64 And so if there's something out there that we're missing, we want to know. Um and we'll we're we're happy to work with those folks. Well, that's certainly good to know that there's a rich ecosystem out there surrounding Graviton. I think that would give 
like more customers peace of mind in migrating to Graviton, which leads me to my next question. Let's say a customer that is running workloads on non-Graviton EC2 instances today, but they are now um, interested in migrating to Graviton. What's your advice to them and how, how can they get started in doing that? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. Um, and I, I would sort of split it into uh, sort of two, two buckets, if you will. Some customers for a, a variety of reasons, perhaps it's bandwidth, perhaps it's the skill set of their team, for a variety of different reasons, really just want to outsource this type of development work. And I'll just highlight that, you know, we've got a robust uh, uh, partner community. Uh, there's 20 plus partners now that are happy to evaluate your workload and actually put hands on keyboard and, and do that migration for you. Um, a lot of those engagements involve, you know, really sort of ROI calculations based upon the savings that you'll see um, and how much you'll pay, like when, when that payoff is. And everyone that I've seen has been pretty quick. Um, Amazon, of course, has, has our pro, uh, professional services group. Same sort of methodology, um, but, you know, typically a, a larger engagement. Uh, so partners and pros are a great place to start for folks that want to buy. Um, from a DIY perspective, you've got a team that um, likes to get you roll up their sleeves and get into the code. Again, I'll promote sort of the easy short putts, if you will, is start with any Amazon or AWS managed services that you're using. Look at your RDS, OpenSearch, um, Elastic Cache, and things like that. Those are really quick wins um, and are not going to you know, upend your roadmap. Your biggest bang for your buck, um, though, instead of managed services, are those EC2 workloads. And really, what the first thing that you are going to want to do is evaluate that workload in those that pipeline. So let's look at that OS. Let's look at all the libraries, frameworks, and runtimes that are used in that application, as well as the tools to build, deploy, and test your app. Um, you know, different compilers, test suites, and CI/CD pipelines. Um, and there may be some work to do there um, in terms of like upgrading. Uh, a, a version or a flavor of something that's that's in that pipeline. Um, if no, then just stand up a POC. And um, you know what I'll say is, the more modern your stack, the more likely it is there's not going to be that sort of res resolution of tech debt that <laughs> I, I alluded to a moment ago. So if you've got a reasonably modern stack, you can easily stand up a POC and give it a test. One thing, another tool I would like to promote to the builders out there is the porting advisor for Graviton. Again, this is posted on on GitHub and 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 you know builders can go ahead and download that on their own. It's an open source command line tool that's going to analyze your source code and it's going to generate a report that highlights missing or outdated libraries or code constructs. Uh, that may need to be modified before you know going through with a POC and testing it. Um, so once you get we get that ported over, once you've evaluated it, you resolved all those dependencies, you set up a POC. My recommendation is to test at scale. We talked a little bit about performance. Um, you're going to see the performance at the top end. So we want to push those servers as hard as they can, um, and then take a look at that. Um, 
we've got a lot of other information posted at Amazon or at you know AWS the AWS website, uh, fast starts, blogs, uh, things of that nature um, to help for specific guidance around you know at the application level or at the you know workload construct level like advice on how to optimally do that. But yeah, I think you know the high level is you're going to evaluate, test, and then push like a normal pipeline. Okay, evaluate, test, and push. Yeah. And we'll put some of those, I think you said there's some links that we could put in our show description for our listeners. Yes. Cool. Well, that brings us to the end of our show today. I'd like to thank you, Tim. I think you definitely helped our customers today rethink their chip strategy in the cloud. We would also like to thank our listeners for joining us today. Please send us your feedback by emailing us at rethinkpodcast at amazon.com. Thank you. Until next time. <music>